Well, I'm so happy to welcome you today as we gather as the Christ Journey family once again, not only right here in South Florida and our Gables campus and Kindle campus, but across the nation, around the world, wherever you're making your connection with us through Church Online, we are praying today that you will sense the love of Jesus Christ, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that our sins might be forgiven, we might come alive by his spirit inside of our spirits, and then experience the hope that that means, not only for the next life, but for this life too. And so, very special day for us today, and I'm so thankful to welcome all of our extended family of the ones that, the, the, the children, the little boys and girls that parents just dedicated themselves on behalf of. So, we would like, would you like to say welcome to the parents and the extended family members of those who've joined us today? Let's do that. Thank you. Mount Everest is um, the Earth's highest mountain above sea level. And today's I am statement from Jesus is easily considered the Mount Everest of them all. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. I'm thinking that this one takes us all the way high because it reaches all the way down. It's the greatest, in my view, towering above all the others. Why? Because it addresses our deepest need. Now, there are other peaks in the range of Mount Everest, as you know, but there's only one that towers above. So also, there, of all the magnificent I am sayings of Jesus, this is the one that, for me, towers above all the others, because if you let this one permeate your heart, saturate your mind, get into your soul and your body, then your life will never be the same because the way you face life will change because it will change the way that you face death. Now, having said that, I gotta tell you this. Um, as wonderfully amazing as that is, I predict that today's topic will be uncomfortable and not just for some of us, I gotta tell you. This is for all of us, myself included, because I'm talking about death for just a little while, but I gotta talk about it. And I, I'm telling you that we really don't like that. We don't like to think about it. We don't like to talk about it because we really don't know how. And yet, it is coming upon us. So let me rush to assure you, before you close your mind or let your your thoughts drift to your favorite daydream, that the story has a happy ending that is meant for all, whosoever will not perish, but have eternal life. But before we get to that celebration statement, the author and finisher of our faith does not mind taking us through some reality therapy, the drama of reality therapy. Self-proclaimed atheist George Bernard Shaw said, dying is a troublesome business. And I, I have to tell you, in reflecting upon my preparations for today, that I was troubled that this would be the I am that landed on the same Sunday that we were dedicating ourselves on behalf of our newest newborns. It's like, okay, Lord, well, how does this work? And... Um, 
it occurs to me that families not only celebrate the high days and the gift days, but we also struggle through the hard days too. And instead of denying the reality of it, maybe what God wants to do is help us step into it and say, here, here's what I've got for you, even in the times that you're facing the shadow of death. Some of our families right now are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Even as we rejoice with all that rejoice, we've got others that are facing troublesome times. George Bernard Shaw also said this, the statistics on death are impressive. One out of one dies. It's like, okay, so we all have this unbreakable appointment with death, and part of what's troubling is that we just don't know when this appointment is coming. That's troublesome to me too. And here's the thing, wise parents do everything they can to protect their children as long as they can from that moment. Can I get an amen? Yes. And wiser parents also want to prepare their children for it since it's coming to everyone who has ever been a child and is a full-grown child at this point. And wiser parents want to say, did you know Jesus has got you covered even here? I am the resurrection and the life. Now, that appointment hasn't come for any of us yet, but I want to tell you that there are three guys for which it came close enough that they could taste it, and I want us to listen into their story right now. Well, you guys have heard my story before. Um, I was coming back from Nicaragua from a mission trip and got into immigration here and my heart stopped. I went into cardiac arrest and I had two people do CPR on me for about 20 minutes and, and then the Lord brought me back. I am uh, so thankful. It's been a, a new lease on life in many ways. Uh, thankful for my family because uh, at least now I can still be with them. And uh, it, it's really a, a blessing that, that the Lord did that for me. Oh, well, mine uh, started on uh, the turnpike heading north and a uh, lady was on the side of the road and she just darted out in front of me. Uh, I guess she was on the, I don't know, phone or not, but whacked into her, went around, went through the guardrail, down an embankment, up again, and wow, this is it. But I was at peace, you know? It was, it was that kind of, and nope, ain't gonna have it. It's like somebody put their hand there and I'm going this way and the van ended up this way. Like if something just stopped it, cut dead cold. And I had the momentum, but, and just talking to some of my forensic friends there that do scuba diving, 95% of the people that go in the canal do not come out. Yeah. To just give you a brief story, you know, I've been battling a chronic illness since the age of 17. Um, but just a few weeks ago, it would so have it that, you know, I would end up in the hospital because of the pain. I just couldn't bear it. The moment of reality hit when the doctor came out with the CT scan and just tells my wife and I that I'm going into emergency surgery. They're trying to get the doctors in, the surgeons in, so like that this could happen. And all I could, all I could think about was looking at my wife and to see how broken we were at that moment. But also he implanted a thought in my mind. He's like, you know, if you have five more minutes with your family, if you have five more minutes with your wife, what would you do? What would you do? And it's such a powerful thought because when we think about what God has done for us in all of our situations, He's either brought us back from something that we just couldn't face on our own, or He's protecting us from something that we can't face on our own. Amen. Yeah, for me, I mean, I was just totally humbled, you know? 
when I when I opened that door, I mean, pushed it, and I just seen the canal there, and I just popped out, no broken bones, no, I mean, a miracle, you know? And uh, I was just humbled, and I, I thanked them so much. Thank you, thank you for saving me, and I'm here, you know, I'm here. Do with me as you wish, and I'll be your faithful servant as, as long as you shall have me here. You know, at those hardest moments, um, we come to realize that we have no control over anything. You know, I, I really don't know why God gave us another chance, and He's given so many people another chance, but I really don't want to take this moment for granted. So, so thankful for life. So, so thankful for, for a new chance to do whatever the Lord would have of me. Uh, an, incredible, an incredible Thanksgiving humbling, like you said, that, that, that just walks with you because you know that you shouldn't be here. Mm. <laughs> Except for God's grace. <laughs> You're so right. An incredibly humbling uh, reality that you realize we shouldn't be here except for God's grace. This is amazing to me. Three guys who in the last several months had a brush with death and then lived to tell about it. And what I'm thinking is we all come to a moment at some time where we discover we're at the end of ourselves. And... Um, and we have exhausted our resources, hit our limit, and um, whether we want to admit it or not, we're done. We're dead, that's the word we use for it, we're dead. And the story that we enter today in John chapter 11 is right there with Martha, Mary, Jesus, and one of Jesus' closest friends, Lazarus, who has died. He's already died. And Jesus arrives, at the, but the funeral has already been held. Laz has died four days before, and people had now come over to the house, and they're offering comfort to the family as best they can. And then when, when Martha hears that Jesus is coming, she goes out of the house, she goes out to meet him, and this is what she says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Now, Jesus responds to her in probably a saying that's similar to what people say in moments like that with us. We say, well, they're in a better place. The Jewish way of saying that was what Jesus said next. I know he will rise again. Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again. That's the phrase. In the resurrection of the last day. Now, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And then, how does she respond? She offers a personal confession of faith. She says this, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one, the one who was foretold, the one who was to come to the world. And Martha then went on in to get her little sister Mary, tell her that Jesus had asked for Mary. So Mary also gets up, goes outside to meet with Jesus, and uh, I'm thinking just for a moment here, thank God for sisters like that. Thank God for family members like that, who help other family members in a time of need find Jesus. 
Well, that's what Martha does. She says, hey, you, he's out there. He's waiting for you. Go talk with him. And uh, verse 32, Mary reached, when she reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she just fell at his feet. I don't know if she collapsed or, if, you know, but she fell at his feet. And she said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Ouch. Same thing her sister said. Why would they say that? Well, like Martha, they had seen Jesus with their own eyes heal people, restore people, and, uh, and had confidence that if he had been here before death had come, then he could have healed Lazarus too. That's where that's coming from. And then it says, Jesus, when he saw her weeping, and then the Jews also who had come, they're also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. And they said, come and see. And then look who's weeping, verse 35. Shortest verse in the Bible, but one of the most powerful. Jesus wept. Now that word literally means shed quiet tears. You know, the language is very specific, shed quiet tears. Um, unlike those others where the word means they were wailing out loud, they were grieving out loud. And Jesus was doing this inaudible um, weeping. And somebody seeing him said this, well, couldn't the one, uh, well, first they said this, see how he loves him. His nonverbal communicating love. And others said this, well, couldn't the one who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? So now they're blaming him there uh, for not being there. So what I'm seeing right away is what a mix of emotions. Sorrow, disappointment, blame, shame, regret. The next thing Jesus tells us, or that John tells us, is that Jesus was deeply moved. Verse 38, deeply moved. Now that word means moved with anger that rises out of displeasure and, uh, and indignation. It was a flash of wrath. One scholar says that tears may, of sympathy may fill his eyes, but his soul is held by rage. Why would Jesus be raging? And until you think of this, that he was preparing, what was going on inside of his soul and mind? He was preparing to take on our greatest enemies, death and the grave, in that moment. And he's advancing to the tomb. Imagine this, as a warrior ready to conquer on behalf of the ones he loves. Showing up for the conflict. Next thing you know, he commands the stone to be rolled back. He tells Martha, you're going to see the glory of God. He uh, prays out loud to his father saying, I know you don't need this, but other people are listening in. And then he calls out at the grave, Lazarus, come forth. And the eyewitnesses say, verse 44, a dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen, cloth around his face. And Jesus says, take off the grave clothes and, uh, and let him go. Now I'm wondering, what kind of moment was that? That's like breathless, right? This is like one of those moments, incredulous. People are looking around at each other like, what? And I'm imagining it's kind of creepy, too. Think about it. Jesus just said, go uh, take those clothes off. And I'm thinking, I'm wondering, those people are saying, is this really happening? You know, should we really do that? Aren't we not supposed to be touching a corpse that's walking? 
And yet somebody probably, they got the courage to go over there. Can you imagine this? Laz, is that you? Are you in there? And what if Lazarus talks from the other side? He says, where am I? Get me out of this. You know, I guess, help me out of here. All muffled, right? What a day that must have been. Can you see the headlines? Nazarene reverses curse of death. Or how about this one? Man dead four days lives to tell about it. <laughs> or here's another one. JC, fraud or God? Because they were asking that in the situation. Or here's another one. Jesus walks his talk and raises dead friend. I, I can hear a reporter on scene saying something like this. The formerly deceased man's sister said that moments earlier, Jesus had told her, I am the resurrection and the life. And though they die, yet they shall live. And then she said she never imagined this is what he meant. With every I am statement of Jesus, we're being shown how in him our deepest needs are met. So we've talked about he's the bread of life, the essential nourishment of meaning and purpose that we need for spirit. He's the light of the world. He's the illumination, the change agent that dispels the darkness. He's the door, our access point to God's life, safe and secure, our way out, our way in, and he's got us secure. And once we get inside that door, he said, I'm the good shepherd. That means I'm, I'm the personal guardian bodyguard, caregiver for you. So he's our guardian, our guide. Don't we pray this for our children? That he will be growing us to generate generous lives. That's what a shepherd does. And to this point, okay, here's a new insight. All of those focus on our everyday life here. But this one meets us where this life ends. That uncomfortable intersection that we don't want to think about, don't want to talk about, between this life and what's to come. And here Jesus shows up and says what? When you've come to the end of yourself, then I'm here to raise you up again in God's life. In the story arc of the I am's that we're traveling, Jesus now, as the good shepherd, says, you know, I've come here to help you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And you can trust me. And yet not simply by giving you a resurrection, but by being in my very self, the resurrection and life that all need. So trust him. Not only in this life, but trust him so that you'll be ready for the next life. That's what he's talking about. He's your champion beyond all through this life and into the next life. And the veil is just simply being pulled back again so that we can see more of the glory of God in Jesus Christ. God's life is triumphant in Christ. And in two ways, Jesus makes it very clear. He says this is for people who haven't died yet and for those who have died. That this covers both of those. He says, for the one who will die, even though, will live, even though he dies, there's Lazarus right there, and for the one who lives and believes and will never die. Now that sounds a little cryptic, doesn't it? But the bottom line is this. He's simply saying, biologically, our bodies are all going to die. But in him, we possess the quality of God's 
self-existent eternal life spiritually that can never die. So once being made alive in Christ means that you can never die. That's what he's talking about. This is, this is like profound, but it's the bedrock of our entire belief. It is the bedrock of our entire, it's our theological foundation that God is our solid rock foundation, self-existent from eternity past, and as mind-blowing as it sounds, this is what Christmas is about. In flesh and blood, God has come to us. The great creator who is the image maker has now become one of the image bearers so that in us, he can show us that when you come to the end of yourself, when you come to the end of yourself, you can stand up again in Christ, God's life. Now that matters to me, it matters to my kids, it matters to their kids. Because this life is not all there is. And God wants all of his kids to know that and how to move beyond it. This is so awesome. When you come, you know, the, the literal word, uh, revel, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I was going to tell you that the, I, uh, I saw a survey recently of the five greatest felt needs over the past year that people have experienced during this COVID season, which, by the way, I hate. I hate it with a passion. I despise it. I wish it would go away. I want it to go away. I'm done with it. I've come to the, my limit. I'm done. Except here's what I discover, that I don't have the power to change it. So now what do I do? I'm at one of these intersections. One of these intersections where maybe it's not about physical death right now. Some of us have faced the threat of physical death. Um, but others of us are facing challenges of relational death. It's been hard being in the same small space for a period of time with family relationship that's challenging, or emotionally, or financially. Um, peace of mind, the need for financial health and employment. For some people, you know, it's just been going up and to the right, but for other people, it's like, man, I got financial ruin breathing down my neck. What am I supposed to do now? What do I do when I'm knocked down, when it looks like I'm out, and everything in me says, am I done? Am I dead? And Jesus says to us at that time, in these five greatest needs, even when COVID has us all feeling our mortality to some point, what does that mean? That just means that there comes those uncomfortable moments when we realize that stuff in this life ends, and then life ends. I don't know how to say it any other way, but it's like, oh, great, thanks, pastor. Now, what do we do now? Here's what Jesus says. Turn to me, trust me, you'll find me there. When you come to the end of yourself, you can stand up again in Christ, God's life. This is different from any of the other I ams. The word resurrection literally means this, stand up again. Stand up again. So when you've come to the end of yourself, you stand up again in God's life. This is so awesome. But how do we do that? Well, real quickly, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus show us. Martha shows us this. She says, use your head. If you're in one of those knockdown, knockout places and you're facing some threat right now, she says, use your head. Confess your faith the best you know how. So in response to Jesus' question, she simply says this, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. It's a profession of faith based on a reflection of her mind, and she's using her head to say, this is a time when I gotta believe what I believe and remember it out loud. Then Mary shows us this. You can use your heart. 
How do you do that? Use your heart to receive Christ's passion in your messy places, in your messy soul. Emotions can be messy, very confusing. Feels awkward to us to go there, but Mary's story is just pulsing with emotion. Do you see that? I mean, she's audibly crying. Others are crying out loud. They've got sorrow. They've got pain. Grief is hard. Losing a loved one is, is hard beyond words. There's disappointment. There's regret. Sometimes there's blaming. Sometimes there's mystery. Oh, God, if you'd only been here. Some of us know what that feels like. Say, God wasn't there for me. You know, the time I needed God the most, where was he? Absent, silent. You know, I was praying, but there was no word. There was no touch. There was no sense of his presence, nothing. And so maybe you're here today. You're saying, you know, you still don't understand. You didn't understand then. You still don't understand. You're in this kind of in-between place where you realize, as so many did in Jesus' ministry at that time, not everybody gets a visit like Lazarus did. What about me? Well, we can relate to what they're feeling, can't we? Mary's emotions are messy, and that's exactly where Jesus meets her. So maybe that's the point of connect today. He'll do it for you. Not only in tears, though, he'll bring his rage. Jesus brings his strong energy to take on death firsthand. So he's not absent from our pain, your pain, your sorrow. He's not absent from your need. He's not too late. He's right there. And what he's saying to Mary is, I'm working and fighting in ways that you can't see. And so we can use our head to believe what we believe, our hearts to allow Jesus to connect with our emotions. And then you can use your actions. This is Lazarus. Lazarus just shows up, steps up as God calls him out, thinking maybe you could do that. I could do that. And then you let others help you get free. Does that make sense? We help each other out of these death clothes that we tend to wear and we don't know what to do with and we got to get out of them, but we help each other out. That's what the church is for. That's why even on parent dedication days, we say from the youngest to next stop glory, we're here for everybody. And we want to make sure that we find our way forward. Jesus calls us to action, and that's what Lazarus takes. He hears his name, and he says, oh, Jesus is calling. I'm going to show up. So how do you know God is calling you if this is your day for action? Well, you ask him, Jesus, is that you? I mean, the reason that my mind is snagging right now, the reason that my heart is... doing that thing right now, the reason that I'm, is this a prompting from you? You just ask him, Lord, if that's you, then I'm listening, and I'll follow. And I'm thinking, maybe you feel sad today. Maybe you feel tender in your grief today. This is a time of year when that rises up for us. We grieve because we love. Jesus feels it with you. Maybe you're facing some kind of financial or relational nosedive right now. And it's like, man, I can't control this. I've done what I can. I don't know what else to do. Jesus is saying, I'm here for you. You're not alone. Your church is with you. We're here together. Maybe it is a health challenge. I just got word this morning that one of my nephew's wife's relatives passed from COVID just this morning. I mean, it doesn't get any more raw and real than that. And we've been praying for a while now. 
and there's a health challenge maybe for you that has just knocked you down or knocked the breath out of you and you're confused and you're looking for resolution, what are you supposed to do? Well, when you come to the end of yourself, here's the lesson. When you come to the end of yourself, you stand up again in God's life because he is journeying with us, the great I am, through this life. And then when this life, we hit that intersection, then he's right there in the cemetery with us too. And he shows us that I am is even there. Maybe this is the first holiday season for you with an empty chair at the table. In Christ, our hope, solid, that we lit the candle for, is to say he's the resurrection and the life, and though we die, yet shall we live, and the circle will not be broken. Maybe you feel tangled up. You're wondering, where's my happy ending? If this is a happy ending, where's mine? Well, if you feel tangled up and you need some help to get unmuffled, then maybe that's where others come in. And you say, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to let somebody else help me get out of this mess. I'm willing to let somebody else pray for me. You know, we've asked for people to let us know who can we pray for by name this Christmas season. Maybe you've turned in some of those names. Or maybe you'd say, you know, I'd like to figure out how can I tell my story in a way that would make a difference for somebody else. Here's my question for you today. Would you let somebody pray for you about that? Would you just let somebody call your name out before God and ask a blessing upon you? Because that's where I want to take this now. You use your head, you use your heart, but then you use your actions. And for some of us, this is a day when it's time to step out because you sense that your name is being called and it's not just by my voice. And our worship response team members are coming right now on our campuses to prepare to receive anybody who says, hey, you know what, today I could use a prayer. I could receive a blessing. And what happens if you come, when you come, if you choose to come, you don't have to come, but if something is stirring in your heart and this is a moment when God wants you to leave with his blessing, then this is the time to take it forward. And if you're thinking, well, I didn't wear a mask, okay, we got some here, you know, they're right here. There's plenty of masks. They're all sealed. We got hand sanitizer right here. So we want this to be safe and blessing so that every person who is saying, yes, Lord, I'm listening and I'm responding. So this is the moment. Can I invite you, anybody who would like to? Lazarus, come out and come and be prayed for. Amen. And those of us that are in our seats, we can pray forward, can't we? We can pray sideways. We can just ask God to bless those in front of us, behind us, around us. We can pray for the families that we saw dedicated today and invite God's blessing upon them in a world like this as crazy and insane as it feels sometimes and when fear comes on us and we don't know what we're going to do financially we don't know how we're going to get through this relationally we're wondering where peace of mind and emotional health can come from well if you stop off here for a moment then we will do what jesus commanded us to do and pray for one another my house is a house of prayer and if you would like to receive a prayer, here's what's going to happen. When you come forward, you can just say, my name is Bill, or whatever your name is. 
and then say, and I'm praying for a relationship. And then let somebody pray for you and then say amen and find your way back to your seat. We have Freddie uh, is with us this morning too, praying right now. Would you just receive God's blessing now as we pray? Amen. And it's not a long time, but it is time enough to hear your name called before God and an invitation for a blessing to come your way. And you know, the, the first step of blessing is letting Jesus be your Savior, your resurrection, and your life. Perhaps that's a prayer that you could join me in even now. Lord Jesus, I believe that you came in love for me and offered yourself on the cross that my sins might be forgiven and that your life could come alive in mine because you rose from the dead. I open my heart and invite you to come alive in me now. And I receive you by faith. Thank you for hearing my prayer. And if you prayed that prayer, our head still bowed just for a moment, but if you prayed that prayer and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next step forward, would you just raise your hand for a moment? If you're joining us online, there's a place there where you can let us know that we can pray for you as well. Lord Jesus, we thank you that for each hand raised, there's a heart behind it saying, I'm open to you and inviting you to come alive in me today. Bless these whose hands are raised that they could sense your peace passing understanding within them and know the joy of salvation as you promised. Amen. Amen. Now, you may continue, please continue to come forward for prayer as you see people become available, but I'm inviting our worship leaders to step out now, and we'll hand off to Kindle Campus on their end, but let's stand together now for our song.